Welcome to the Momentum Podcast. My name is Manning, and I'm excited that you are joining us. Momentum is our business ministry under Freedom Church, and our vision is to equip and inspire kingdom businesses. This podcast will cover several topics with a focus on what it means to be a kingdom-driven business. Our hope is to help you build your business no matter where you are in the world. To stay up to date with what's happening, follow us on social media at Freedom Momentum. Hope you enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome to Momentum. I'm so excited that you're joining us today. My name is Manning and just as a reminder, Momentum exists to equip people to build kingdom-driven businesses and that's what we want to do today. So if you've been on Mighty Networks before, you'll see a few weeks ago, Alex Coppock posted something about, uh, he had a post up there on the significance of the referral business and how we need to make sure that we have referrals coming in. And that is a line of your marketing um, is always looking at referrals. So past customers, past clients, and even friends and family referring business to you. And that gave me an idea of wanting to talk to you guys today about what are your clients saying about you? Because if you want a referral-based business, or if you want to grow your referrals, you know, 50% this year, a big source of that is going to be your existing clients or past clients. And so that's why I want to talk today about what are your clients saying about you? What are they saying about your business and how you treated them and how from the start, from when you met them to the end, how was that interaction? And so today I'm actually going to have a incredible discussion with Scott Jones, who's part of our Cardiff campus. Uh, Scott has been in the digital marketing web development space for a number of years. And so Scott, I'll actually give it over to you. Tell us a little bit about Illustrate Digital, about yourself, your wife, and you know what's kind of going on in your lives right now. Hey, yeah, thanks, Manning. Um, yeah, pleasure to, to be on the podcast and uh, to sort of share uh, some of our story and stuff like that. So um, Illustrate Digital is the sort of primary business that I um, sort of run day to day. We've been going for just over seven years now. And essentially how it all got started for me was, so I used to be sort of brand side as a, as a media director. And we had a couple of agencies that sort of looked after us for our sort of digital marketing website, that sort of thing. And I just found their responses were really sluggish, lazy, just, you know, to be really honest. And it really frustrated me because we couldn't grow what we needed to grow with our audience as quickly as we needed to and, and wanted to. Because I think that the uh, mindset of our, you know, of the sort of the digital industry was previously, you know, back, looking back so seven, eight years ago, it was you would build something, deliver it to a client, and then you just let them loose and, and leave them to it. And there was very little support across the whole industry, really, very little support um, on the back of that. You had to pay like really high retainer fees if you wanted you know, some serious ongoing work doing and improvement doing. And what would happen is essentially you would get to sort of like year three, four, five of having this, you know, new site or, or new software and it gets hired and you have to rebuild it. And that's sort of the point we'd gotten to where we were sort of in, in my role. And I decided, okay, let's, let's take it in-house. Let's do it ourselves. Um, if they're not going to, you know, put their all into it, we'll try uh, and we'll put our all into it. And, and hopefully that will be at least as good um, as what we already have, but we'll be in control. And it worked out somehow with very little knowledge. We managed to do it. We got permission to do it. We, we went on the journey of doing it. We learned a lot. And on the back of that, people sort of noticed the work that we'd sort of done in-house and started to sort of ask me directly, would you help with you know doing this for my business and 
and that sort of thing. And um, I just saw a really good opportunity to say, okay, well, if that's what the rest of the industry looks like, then let's try and create something that isn't that. Let's try and create something that is people first and sort of success first and driven towards results and handing people the reins with freedom rather than handing, handing them the reins with restraint. And that's just worked out really well for us. So we started out sort of semi-seriously in the first few years, and then we really, really ramped up. And sort of now we're at the point where we've got two offices here in the UK and a team of about 20. We're currently hiring for quite a few more roles as well. So it'll be about 25 in the next couple of months. So exciting, exciting growth. Yeah. And Scott is humble. He will not tell you that they just got the number one web development company in Wales. Is that right? I said that right. I was on the list as top 35 business people in Wales under the age of 35. So I was fifth on the list, which is quite nice. And we also won an award for top web developer in the UK for 2021. So quite a nice surprise uh, and a really good start to the year. That's huge. And so congrats. Obviously, that's a massive achievement. And I love what you said earlier when you were in brain development. You said the responses were sluggish. They were slow. When you started out, how did you make sure the people working for you weren't sluggish and slow and they were actually responsive? Like, How did you change that? Because um, I've seen that in the, you know, working with businesses is five days go by and you haven't heard anything and you don't really know where something's at. And so just I'm curious, how did you make sure you changed that um, when you all started out? One really funny thing I've found about business is that everything follows the heart of the owner or of, you know, the CEO, founder, you know, whatever role you sort of sit in and what you believe flows out of you and flows into your team. So I've come across, uh, you know, even our own clients where we'll come off a call with them and we'll sort of say to each other, my goodness, they hire so like every person that works for them is so intense. Or you sort of say, gosh, every person who works for them is horrible. You've sort of got different ends of the scale. And what you find is when you speak to the leader of that business, it's reflected with them. And I think it all starts with you as the leader of the business. And that's really important. So what you believe in, what you think is important will ultimately flow out of you into the rest of your team. It informs your hiring decisions. It informs the conversations you have with them. I think you have to be aware that whatever you do, people are watching. And that still goes for you know the digital realm. It goes for writing messages in, in sort of like team communications. It goes for team members being in client meetings with you, team meetings with you. If you know, if you turn up on a Monday morning to a full team meeting and you're tired and, and can't be bothered about it, then that is what will reflect in the rest of your team. And that's ultimately if you have respect for your client, if you have respect for doing good work, that is the number one way to get people to have that same respect. But I think it comes from setting expectations as well. And one thing I find that is if you don't have the conversation early enough this is both clients and team members. So as the sort of agency or as the business owner or as your boss, whatever the conversation is, this is what I expect of you as part of the process. And this is what you can expect from us in return. If you set those expectations and it doesn't, you know, sometimes you don't realize what those expectations should be all up front. So you can set them at points along the way. But the important thing is not expecting something from someone without ever communicating that expectation. 
I think that's the number one way to get people to go down that path with you and, and behave the, the right way really for your clients. That's really good. Now, are you one of those people that make sure you respond to someone's email within 24 hours or 48 hours? Or do you have any of those? Do you know what I mean? Do you have any of those goals set in place? We've had to get really serious because of the types of clients that we work with. So like our customers are banks, law firms, technology products. And there's an expectation there. You know, they have to meet expectations for their customers. We have to meet them for ours. I think it just comes down to that expectation setting again. So we've set different rules. It's called an SLA, right? A service level agreement. So you sign up to it with your customer. You sign up to it with your team members. Everyone agrees to do the same thing. So we have different things for different scenarios. So if it's a support ticket, it needs to be responded to in a certain time. If it's a new business email, it needs to be responded to quickly because in sales, speed is absolutely everything and responsiveness. Once we get into the process of actually sort of building a product or, or a website, we actually say emails are not the primary form of communication. Emails are not an urgent sort of mechanism. So what we say if something's urgent, pick up the phone and ring someone, speak to them, because you can't get your urgency across in an email just by writing urgent, because everyone would do exactly the same thing, right? The second thing we do is say for project management, use our project management board and we'll respond within two days. And for email, we say we say three days. So no, I'm not the sort of... It's too much communication, isn't it? And I think you've got to prioritize and again, set the right expectations for that. But who picks up the phone anymore? Which is why I love that that's your like standard of urgency. It's like, no, just pick up the phone and call them or like have them call us because at this point, email isn't urgent. And I like that because I've not heard that before. I've heard you have to respond in 24, 48 hours. I haven't heard actually pick up the phone, which is kind of refreshing to hear that because who actually does that anymore? Most problems with or challenges with clients or customers come out of miscommunication and email is the number one way to like misunderstand the heart and sentiment behind something and picking up the phone and hearing someone's voice and hearing what they're trying to say to you and why and having a back and forth conversation that takes five minutes instead of five days is far more effective and again goes back to i really value that we value people and I pick up the phone. I choose to do that on a regular basis. And it has to flow from me into everyone else. But I would encourage people, you do have to correct. It's not a natural thing. You do have to say, why are you messaging me about that problem? Go and speak to the client about it. Pick up the phone. Have a conversation. You'll probably find it's not really an issue. But you think it's an issue because of how you're reading it. That's so true. You know, when we prayed before we started the podcast, it was like that reminder that this is biblical like God values people. He loves people. And that's why this topic to me is so significant because we don't just want businesses that have good products or can deliver something. If you're a Christian, or if you're a kingdom business, it's like there's another level of excellence that you have to bring to the table that is far beyond your product. It's how you treat people and it's how you treat customers. I remember at the old company I worked for, and this is such an embarrassment, but no one wanted to work for the faith-based sector because people were mean and people were harsh. And that's not what we want to cultivate. We want to cultivate, I love that for you, it's like you value people and that's what we want to cultivate and bring in is the value of people and putting people first. And as old fashioned as it sounds, picking up the phone is the best way to do that. And actually talking to a customer instead of emailing. Emailing is so difficult to get across what you want. We've managed to grow really, really well, even through the pandemic. and. I think 
one of the reasons for that is purely to do with quality, but also to do with the ethos behind why are you making that decision? And a lot of people just try and sell the thing, the, the product they're trying to sell or the service they're trying to sell without really much, I guess, heart behind why they're doing that. So the conversation we often have with our clients is around, okay, if we're building a product for you, a piece of software or a, a website for your customers to use, the point really, and, and more important than ever, and, and sort of one of my, I guess, 2021 predictions really for the digital industry is if you don't have the best user experience, you will lose in the digital realm. Because if people get frustrated with clicking through too many different areas to find what they're looking for, they can't find something quickly if they don't feel at ease with the experience and able to buy or able to find the information they want. And your competitor does do all of those things and and makes it easy for them, then they're going to go with a competitor and not with you. And Sort of our job is to reduce the frustration as much as possible and open up the doors to allow as many people to purchase or inquire or whatever it is they need to do as easily as possible. But that has to come from fundamentally the idea of it's the user first, not the business's priority in terms of profit or revenue or anything like that. Because the revenue and the profit and, and those great things that businesses obviously need, that's the whole point of business they will flow out of putting people first. When people feel valued and people feel cared for, you know, that is the process to get to the end result. And that's the conversation we would have like upfront with a lot of a lot of our clients is well, we're actually going to consider and research and input into what is the experience that individual is going to go through when they interact with your site or product. It's very strategic, um, but such a good like value add for a client that they might not get with other companies similar to yours because they might just want the revenue or like the sell, but you guys are actually uncovering the problem, which we've seen this year. People are on websites for three seconds and then they're done. They're off to the next thing if it's not an easy user experience. Um, I want to ask you, when you get a new business inquiry, how do you manage that? How do you make sure that you respond to that? What does that process look like? Is there anything we can learn from you guys about when someone first comes in the door? How do we treat them with excellence? Great question. Recently, I've had the privilege of being able to offload all new business, all new business conversations. And I'm sort of, I guess it's one of the like really key milestones for me. There are certain points at which I've been able to offload certain parts of the business that sort of weigh you down and and stop you being as strategic or as uh, developmental as, as you should be as a business leader. You obviously have to do that stuff early on. You have to be as involved as possible. But the beauty of that is, as I said earlier on, that speed in terms of new business is everything. And if you respond quickly, people know that they have your attention and that you value the message that they've sent. And I think the sort of process we would go through is, first of all, we want to get some sort of face-to-face video call going with someone. We want to actually get in a dialogue. So I think a lot of people, you know, let's let's take an email inquiry as the sort of example. A lot of people will receive an email inquiry and then try to start the conversation or continue the conversation through email. The first response we put back is, hey, can we book a meeting? Here's a link. They can go and book it themselves at a time that's convenient for them. It sticks it in our diary. And we get on a video call just like this and get to have a chat and you know learn what they're looking for. One thing we will say is we will give anyone our time on an inquiry because I think, well, A, you never really know what the future potential of something is, even if it's not right right now. And B, you never know who that person knows or 
who their wife works for or husband works for that may have, you know, may even be higher value and more suitable. You know, I think you never know what surrounds the, the context you're currently in. And we do sort of what we call qualification then. And what we're trying to do is actually qualify people out as much as possible and qualify in as few people so that we're not sort of busy fools, I guess. So setting our own sort of levels of what type of work are we best at? What type of budget are we, are we best working in? What's our current availability? We don't want to overload or oversell or anything like that. So we actually pass on more work than we take on in our new business process. Early on, and I think the temptation is for every business owner to do this, is you're trying to win as much work as you possibly can. And so you have every single conversation and you go down every single avenue and you're just not asking really simple questions up front that actually people really appreciate. They really appreciate directness, honesty, transparency in that process of saying, hey, we only take jobs from this onwards or you know, whatever your sort of benchmark may be. But I think it's really important that the conversation doesn't end there entirely. Again, it's valuing people. It's valuing wanting to be able to help people. So we will pass people on to who we recommend they use. And we've strategically built up this network around us of people that we have as many avenues as possible to pass people down. And you know, it, it means that they always leave us with a good feeling and with a, oh, they at least helped me. They, you know, they couldn't do it directly, but they at least helped. And the process from there then is, you know, quote, pitch, you know, whatever we need to do to sort of win the work. But that's minimized. We're only focusing our team's time on the things that we know we can win and we want to win rather than just scattergun approach of trying to win everything we possibly can and hoping for the best. I definitely made that mistake a lot was this fear of there won't be anything else. So I need to just take this business on. So I've definitely made that mistake, but I love what you're saying. And I love that you've got this partnership around you. And even in that of passing people on and not, you know, you don't know what their business will come to or who they're connected to. It's like you're building a referral inadvertently. You're building a referral business around what you're already doing. Um, On the flip side of that, let's say you're done with a project with a client. How do you end it or how do you keep in communication or um, how do you make sure that it's a smooth transition and a smooth handoff with a client? I think going back to what I said you know, at the very beginning, really, around the context of how we started, because what we want to do is hand people the flexibility that they otherwise wouldn't have if they used another business or another, you know, another tool to do what they need to do. And the flexibility is really important because what we're saying to them essentially is don't pay us as the experts for something that really you should be able to do yourself that's really simple. So, We've sort of productized our website technology. So we work in WordPress, which is you know the most popular by far um, in terms of content management system. But we've productized that ourselves. So we've got our own method and way of doing that. That means that when we hand it across to a client, they've got as much control as possible. And the reason we're doing that is because we don't want highly paid engineers and highly paid user experience designers to be thinking about inputting content on a website, nor does a client want to be paying a high day rate for stuff that is actually fairly straightforward. What we have then sort of reframed is, well, when you launch this, it's already old from day one. And we're trying to educate clients into what we call MVP thinking, which is minimum viable product. So the first one you launch is the almost test bed for how you grow. So create a really good foundation of high quality 
And on that foundation, learn from the users that are using your site or your software. And that's where we then come back in in terms of supporting them. So we try as much as possible to put this sort of retainer model in that we call Evolve. And the idea is you're evolving what you've built into something that is suitable. Still in five years time, you didn't need to rebuild it somewhere along the way because you took an approach that iterated the experience and the the development of that platform. But I think in terms of supporting people as well, it's really important they have dedicated people to work with them. And that would be one of the things, if I could go back, I'd have done earlier on than we decided to, because having someone that just purely focuses on looking after the people, I mean, to frame it this way, retention of existing clients is far, far easier than acquisition of new ones. Because you've already got the relationship, you've already got the trust, you've already delivered for them, so they've got the proof and that sort of thing. We were too tempted to go and try and win new stuff all the time when actually we had a really strong customer base that was willing to spend money with us. If only we gave the attention and the time and actually asked, are they willing to do that? And I think that's that focus again on people. And you know, it's not just the end user we're saying that we care about, it's the actual client themselves it's the business if we engage with you we want to do that to make you succeed and ultimately just letting you float about on your own is not allowing you to succeed it's giving you the freedom that you needed but it's not helping you to sort of build and grow the way that you could do with the expertise that we have it's really good i think um i've actually first want to know do you guys receive a lot of referrals we've concentrated our, our referrals so uh, again, it's the busy fools thing, right? So we did a lot of networking previously and it generated almost nothing for us. I hate networking. Sorry to anyone who is listening and thinks, Me you know, too. networking I is amazing it. and that's fine. If it works, great, no problem. But for us, it didn't. But what it did do was allow us to identify a few really close relationships. And I think that's really, really key is find the people who are parallel to your industry who have a requirement that you deliver and vice versa. So for us, marketing agencies who, uh, if a customer goes to them and says, make my website top of Google, if the first thing they may say to them is, I can't, your website is rubbish, then that's a really good partnership for us because they'll push them directly to us and we'll then push them back when they're ready. And the same thing for us around, okay, we finished this now, please make me top of Google. Okay, well, here's a, a partner we can take you to. But we've focused on, again, it's relationship. Those partnerships and those referrals are not transactional things where it's, you know, you pay me money and I'll pay you. In fact, we say most of the time, like, we don't want money for it. We actually want relationship. We want a two-way thing. Or at the very least, we just want quality for that client. Identifying the right people to do that with is important because there's got to be value there as well. But building the relationship with those people has ultimately strengthened us and it becomes a friendship. It's not like I say, it's not transactional. It's a business friendship. And that's how I like to sort of operate uh, in businesses, build friends who you can sort of go along the journey with and sharpen each other. And, you know, the other thing that that does is we find our industry particularly has a lot of backbiting and it's horrible to see. And it's, you know, a new marketing agency will come into a mix and then they'll start ripping the web agency to shreds just because they think it's the right thing to do rather than say, oh, hey, they've done a great job, but here are a few areas that they can sharpen and then working with them together. So same thing there, like we try and actively reach out. If a new, you know, the client has a new agency that does something else for them, we try and build that relationship as quickly as possible to say, 
how can we work together to help this client succeed rather than you just go, oh, this works terrible or, you know, I, I've done it differently or, you know, whatever the conversation may be. But I think the other thing it does is as soon as there's a need identified for a client or there is an issue, you can have that direct conversation before it goes to the client to say, hey, client, there was an issue, but we worked together and resolved it. That's the number one thing your client wants to hear is, oh, thanks so much for just taking that off my hands and sorting it out. Not bringing me problems all the time because that's ultimately not good customer service, right? Yeah. Scott, you've built such a trustworthy and honest business. And you can see that through the themes that we've talked about today. And I think the themes that I've picked up from your business and how you treat your customers with excellence is um, you do a lot of add-on value where clients wouldn't expect. You just add on a lot of value in various areas. Um, You're very honest with your dealings, whether you're dealing with Um, customers or people who work for you or partnerships and referrals. There are not many people in the industry who refer business for free um, or even just refer business at the value of you give this client quality, which I think is key. Um, And then lastly, communication. Uh, I love that we've talked so much today around picking up the phone and actually talking to the customer or even doing something for the client that they don't have to do anymore because that adds such value And so is there anything else you want to add or share? Because I think you've given me a lot to think about, and I hope everyone listening, a lot to think around. Here's some things that you can actively change or think through to make sure that your clients and your customers are saying amazing things about you. So I just wanted to throw it to you and say, is there anything else you want to add? Yeah, I, I think that referenceability and reputation are the oxygen of your marketing as a business. And and without the credibility that comes from reputation and and referenceability, you've got nothing to stand on. Now, that doesn't mean you have to have been operating for five years to win a customer. What it means is, if it's literally day one, what have you done previous to starting this business that you can reference from? Some of that reference is how you treat people and the method around like how you operate and that sort of thing. But we've won work on the idea of someone's not even looked into our portfolio or asked about other clients or references or anything like that. They've purely bought on the referenceability of the conversation they've had with us. And do I trust this person? You know, the background we've shared with them around, you know, how I started and the heart that I've got. So I I don't believe you have to have this, you know, amazing full portfolio to win everything. What I do think though is at that higher value, you're going to be asked that. And the more referenceability you have, the better reputation you have, the more you will win because that reputation becomes your advocacy as well. So people will talk about you. One of the best compliments I possibly had was a small business locally came to me and I've known you know this guy for a few years and he, he sort of sat down with me and he said, okay, I, I want to I talk about you know having a product website thing built with you. And when he sat down and chatted to me about it, he was like, I'm really, really glad we're in the position now that we can finally come and have a build with Illustrate Digital. And I said, what do you mean by that? And, and his answer was, well, it's been my desire and my dream as a business to have something built with you because your work is such high quality, because it's so good. And I, I don't even know where that's come from. That's the beautiful thing about that is it's nothing I've said to him, or it might be, it might be conversations, but I can't target where that's come from. It's just advocacy. It's just treating people well, doing an excellent job, trying as much as possible not to let people down. And yeah, it, ha- it does happen. It happens to everyone. 
but the better you produce quality work, the more you talk about that quality work, the more you encourage clients to do so, the more conversations will happen outside of the realms of you even knowing what's going on. It's like I said about this you know, award to you earlier on. I didn't even know about it. We didn't apply for it. It was just, I got an email ping, you know, you've been awarded this top award in the UK. And I think it's just that essentially of, you know, be referenceable, be of high quality. That's great. And I want to remind anyone listening that Scott's been in business for over seven years. And so if you're starting out, don't stress yourself out, but take what he's shared with us and allow that to be the foundation that you build on um, and allow that to be something that you want to go into your business and structure and change it. So don't panic that you don't have these awards or these clients, but take everything you're learning and build a really strong foundation. On that point, Manning, if it's okay to add, I think it's really, really important. If you're at that stage, that early stage, the one thing I would have done differently is probably gone and worked for someone else. I don't know, that sounds like really weird to say for like a new business, like starting a new business. But my biggest challenge and the thing that took me three years or potentially even a bit more to get past is the fact that I'd never worked in an agency before starting one. I'd never understood what it means to operate and the processes and all that stuff behind what it means to be a good agency. So in honesty, despite my desire to be excellent for the first three years, we weren't very good. And if if I'd taken maybe a year to go and work for someone else or even volunteer behind the scenes somewhere else to sort of learn that stuff, I think it would have cut another two years out of that process. If you are good at one thing, you do like you're not in that situation, the thing you do definitely need to concentrate on is what do you offer and what are you good at? Because being able to structure that and deliver that to a conversation for new business or existing business, whatever it may be you've got to know the target market you want to serve and exactly what you offer. And that, you know, is what I was saying before about we know exactly what type of client we want. We know exactly what sort of budget we work with and why, and we have the right responses for that. So just take the time to understand who you're offering it to, what you're offering, or if you actually aren't very good in the first place and you be honest with that, go and learn it first and come and come back to deliver that. That is incredible advice. And There's tons of momentum businesses where I see that they're doing both, where they're working, they might be working for a mainstream job and on the side trying to build something else. And I think the other thing in that is, the other value in that is you can make money in one area to reinvest that into what it is that you're trying to build, not just learn, but actually use it to reinvest it. So Scott, thank you so much. You gave us a lot to think about and a lot to go away with and process. And so I just thank you for your time. And thank you to anyone listening. Hope you guys have a great day and hope you've learned something from this.